One of these men is one of Melbourne's brightest newsbreakers. Truly was the last chance for Melbournians to break out a dance move. The other is a five-star jerk. I just don't want to get embroiled in his Twitter spat. Across Melbourne, this is Breakfast with Seb Costello and Lawrence Mooney on Triple M. Triple M rocks Melbourne. Almost four years ago, the Essendon Supplement Saga started, Moon Man. We went through various tribunals and appeals. We went to the federal court a couple of times. And then eventually in January, the Essendon 34 were slapped with a 12-month ban thanks to a decision from the Court of Arbitration for Sport. They served that ban, and while they did so, they launched one last final appeal through the Swiss Federal Court. Well, overnight, a statement from the Essendon Football Club from the chairman, Lindsay Tanner, who says the club has received notification this evening that the player's appeal has been dismissed by the Swiss Federal Court. You can put a full stop on the doping bans. They will stay. They will stay in place. The suspensions have been served. And now perhaps the final consequence of this whole decision that started four years ago Mm, may come about. And that is what happens to Joe Watson and the 2012 Brownlow Medal. Good morning to you, Sebastian Costello. Uh, we are both Essendon supporters. We've had a gutful of this, as has every other AFL follower and supporter, through uh, you know the bans, our coach being suspended for a year, being uh, stripped of finals appearances and draft picks, uh, and on it goes. And this is the final straw. I think the AFL have no choice but to take... Joe Watson's Brownlow medal off him. Otherwise, they will look like a toothless tiger and look like they're dithering. Uh, and it is the final kind of little spasm of this whole thing. I think that Joe Watson's the kind of man that will front up. Uh, he'll it'll make him hungry. It won't cow him. And he'll hopefully move on and have a great 2017. Um, it's just been an appalling set of circumstances. I spoke to Tim Watson before the grand final. And he said, as a father, he's still incredibly angry about everything that's gone on, as would every parent be for any player that was at Essendon and involved in the saga. And that stretched to other clubs as as well, you know. Uh, Cramery at the Bulldogs missed out on a a grand final. And, uh, you know, it's... It's affected so many people. I'll be happy to see the end of it, and uh, maybe this is the final clause. It's sad, isn't it? Because it was so awesome to see Joe Watson as happy as he was uh, a couple of weeks ago when he decided he was coming back to football. Mm. He seemed to be in a really good headspace after wading through all this mud over the past few years of the supplement saga. He is such a decent person. And I don't think anybody is in any doubt as to the fact that he was the best player in the 2012 season. Will that change anybody's mind if the Brownlow medal's taken off him? I don't think it will, but you can't on one hand say that the Brownlow is among the most prestigious awards in Australian sport, that it's this black tie event where the whole nation watches on television and then at the same time have one winner of that award officially having served a doping suspension as a result of things he did during the season he won it. The unquantifiable thing in all of this is um, how that supplement uh, affected him. You know, Did it make him better or did it have zero effect whatsoever? Uh, you know, a whole team of players took these supplements, uh, the Thymosin Beta 4, and we didn't look that good in 2012. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So if, if you look at our results from that year, I don't think the supplements really worked. It, does it have a cumulative effect? It's inc- incredibly hard to quantify. So that will always be a cloud over his Brownlow medal and that season. And I don't think that he wouldn't have expected 
that this wasn't coming. So what do you do now? Joe Watson won the 2012 Brownlow medal with 30 votes. Trent Cotchin and Sam Mitchell were four votes behind on 26. Mm. Do you reaward it or do you leave it blank? I think you reaward it, you know, um, like they have done with uh, the drawn ones. They've gone, you know, it used to be a count back, but they went back and, and awarded them retrospectively. And I think you have your your backyard ceremony like your gold medalist. Uh, and Jared Talent style. <laughs> Give it to the people. On I, a little uh, aerobic trampoline in the backyard. Yeah. It's a, it's a sad day for Joe Watson if he loses it and a sad day for footy. Uh, it's an esteemed award and we all... Love to, you know, lord our Brownlow medal winners, but um, if it's going to put this thing finally to bed, then I say the sooner the better. One triple three five three. We want to hear from Essendon fans and particularly AFL fans as well. Should Joe Watson lose his Brownlow now that the Essendon appeal is finally over and that these doping suspensions will stand? We'll take your tweets as well at MMM Hot Breakfast. The talkback line again is one triple three five three. It's funny. I mean, we all feel a tremendous amount of sympathy because I don't think anybody could argue that Joe Watson knew what he was doing would have these consequences years on from the 2012 season. And there'll be a couple of Essendon haters out there going, yeah, <laughs> Right up him. Yeah. Uh, and fair enough too, because that's footy. Yeah, I mean, but th- at the same time, you know, we, we didn't really question it when Russian athletes in the Rio games had to sit out through, uh, you know, some decisions that were made by authorities in Russian sport that the athletes wouldn't have been aware of. Mm. You know, now that, I mean, that was a bit different because it was tampering at the actual testing centres, you know, when throwing out samples and that sort of thing. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the athletes paid a price for decisions that were made by officials, which is what's happened here. The Essendon players have paid a price because of things that were done by the coaching staff and by the sports science staff at the Essendon Football Club. Yeah, and when you look at the systemic nature of the the doping that was going on at Essendon, you know, somebody's got to order 200 syringes. Somebody's got to order 200 bottles of stuff. Who who made that first phone call? Who picked up the phone first at Essendon? Mm. Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> because that's... We still have so many unanswered questions all yeah. these years on. The question now is, should Joe Watson give up his Brownlow medal? To Adam at Craigie Byrne. Hey, g'day, guys. How you going? Good. Thanks, Adam. That's what... good. Um, look, I'm a big I'm an Essendon fan, obviously, and a big Joe Watson fan. And I actually feel for what these boys are going through, but... Not touching on that. If I was Watson, I'd take my medal and drop it off at the AFL myself. Not willingly, but just to put this thing to bed. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, that would be a big, bold move, of course, if he didn't have to give it back, just to say, look, I want to be rid of it. But uh, it, it, there is a point where we need to draw that line in the sand and move on. Yeah, Adam? Absolutely. And then being a decent Mitchell fan, and I like Cochin as well, as one of those boys, I probably wouldn't take the medal. Just out of, oh, I just don't think, I think it's wrong what's happened to Essendon. And I know I'm being a one-eyed Essendon supporter, but if you were those players, would you even want it? Yeah, it's an interesting situation to Ian at Melton. What do you reckon? I, I reckon he should keep it. Put your case, Ian. Well, the case is that if this drug is supposed to advance, or actually Joe Watson's an excellent player anyway, mm. then how come every other player didn't excel and get multiple Brownlow votes as, as, as did Joe. Yeah, that's right. Compared to the rest of the players in that team, he was clearly better and supposedly everybody was on the same supplement. So the level playing field, it looks like he's still the best. 
Uh, yes, except to say, Moon Man, if you and I just took a truckload of Thymosin Beta 4, you reckon it would get us to AFL level? No. <laughs> That's right. Uh, let's go to Brent at Mornington. How are you, Brent? Good boys, yourself? Mate, uh, very well. How do you see this debate? Yeah, look, I'm not an Essendon supporter, but I think that he should keep it because the, the award's for the best and the fairest, not the best and the cleanest or anything like that. He clearly was the best player. He was clearly the fairest. Like, he didn't give away any... didn't break any... Uh, of the, um, you know, he never got suspended or anything like that, so I reckon he should keep it. But uh, what's going to happen if he does get stripped of all the betting, like all the people that had bets on Mitchell and Cotchin, it's going to be a nightmare. I reckon just let yeah, him keep it, be done you, with it all. If, if you've got evidence, so thanks for your call, Brent. If you've got evidence of the fact that you had a punt on Sam Mitchell to win the 2012 Brownlow medal, you're doing pretty well. <laughs> Running into the lucky shop <laughs> with your ticket. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks for your calls, guys. Uh, Adam, you've enjoy- scored tickets to the Amy Victoria Derby Day. Enjoy one of the most prestigious days of Australian horse racing. Although he did say he was an Essendon supporter, Moon Man, and mm. I started to suspect his credentials right around the time he said he was an Essendon fan and a Sam Mitchell fan. That's interesting. That's isn't it? that's an unusual human well, being. I thought, yeah, he's a football lover because he said he likes Trent Cotchin and Sam Mitchell. My goodness! So he does enjoy the game. And Moo Man, the Galaxy Note Seven Samsung phone has been an ongoing saga, not unlike the Essen Supplement saga. Do you have a Samsung? No, I'm uh, back in the old days. I'm still an Apple user. Right, so iPhone six. Now, at Samsung, of course, uh, you know, their phones started to explode and catch on fire. And you know you've made it in the big time when you are specifically mentioned in the aircraft safety warning yeah, at the beginning of a flight. Never it- a good sign. So this was the new phone from Samsung, the Galaxy Note 7. In September, they started to have reports that it was catching on fire, so they issued a recall. Then people who went to the recall and got their phones replaced started saying, my replacement is blowing up as well. Mm. Now, the extraordinary move overnight of Samsung making a decision to permanently cease production of the Note 7 altogether. It's an unfathomable situation, and for more information, we go to our tech guru. Morning, Trevor Long. Morning, Sid. Morning, Mooney. How does this get to a stage where you have a product that has been rolled out worldwide in its millions of units, and you haven't had a testing process that has uncovered the fact that it blows up on you? I I am literally staggered by this, and I don't think anyone could have predicted. Firstly, the, the first recall is one thing, right? You, you make millions of units, things go wrong, but not on that scale. So they did the right thing, recalling it. But within you know two weeks, how do you how do you ship new product within two weeks that hasn't been tested? That's the kicker for me. The the replacement phones, and the worst thing is, I'm pretty confident the replacement phones are catching fire without being charged. Because the reports I'm reading are there was a teenage girl who was standing at the front of school and it, and, it, and it basically got really hot in her hand. She dropped it on the, on the ground and it, and it burst into flames. Uh, another one on a cafe table. It is unbelievable to have to not only recall a product, recall a product twice, but then literally end production of the product. They, they can never have a Galaxy Note again. It's like walking away from a haunted house. Nobody knows exactly what's going on. So what is the anatomy of the, the chemical reaction? What's causing the fire that we know? So then, we don't know yet. Um, what, what we know is in the first round that they said it was a, a batch of faulty batteries. And those batteries, when they, over, when, when they were charged to a certain point, the, the battery would overheat and that would cause a chemical reaction. It's not bad enough for, for the phone to, you know, burn houses down. Let's be clear, hoverboards were burning houses down. These phones are, you know, imploding, but they're, they're causing a small patch of heat on the ground if they're sitting there. But that's, that's not, that's not, a, that's not a, an excuse. 
uh, it's just fundamentally destroying the phone internally from the inside out. Right. And uh, what about how does this affect Australia? I mean, most of the uh, situations we were seeing were overseas. Were there handsets that had made their way to Australia? There were new handsets made to Australia. I've spoken to several people in the last 24 hours who had their replacement device. In fact, right now, they are announcing in the airport lounge that I'm sitting not to use a Samsung Note on the plane. It's not even on the plane. They're announcing it in the airport for crying out loud. So, yes, devices had made it to Australia. The the new, the replacement devices were issued from around the 20th of the month. We have got you, uh, the man on the ground, longer you are. You're hearing that it as it's happening, un- unfolding at the airport. <laughs> In the airport, lounge. crazy. So, uh, the the not iPhone. I mean, the um, Galaxy Note Seven. Why not other Samsung products? Or aren't aren't they sure of why and why not? I think that's why they've discontinued this product because there's clearly something wrong with the way they've designed this. Now, this this phone was revolutionary. It had new features like an iris scanner and all these amazing things. Mm. I'm not suggesting any of those one features caused the problem, but they did kind of rush this product to market because they wanted to steal some of the limelight from Apple. So perhaps in their processes, they, they failed somewhere along the way. But something about the way they built and engineered this phone is causing the problem. Let's be clear. Samsung phones are okay. It's this particular brand, this particular model of phone. So it seems like Galaxy S7, S6, S8, all the, all the, all the phones that the majority of people have um, are completely safe. We've never had a problem with another Samsung phone. It's just this single range of Samsung phones. Because most here. people, though, have a little bit of technophobia inside them. Oh, yeah. It's a gene that we all have. Surely the brand's going to take a kicking. I can't imagine. So imagine walking into a Telstra store today and going, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to sign up to another 24 months at your 95 bucks a month. They're going to say, do you want an Apple, a Google, a Samsung or a Sony? I mean, Samsung's going to be fourth on that list. This is yeah. huge problems for them over the next Leave six to 12 months. I'll have the Samsung, please. That's uh, extraordinary. At Trevor Long is your Twitter handle. I recommend people get on it because he knows his stuff. Thanks, Trev. Thanks, Seb. Thanks, Mooney. I see you're sipping some sweet, sweet H2O there, Moon Man. Yes, I am. I'm enjoying South Melbourne's finest, and uh, it's good. Is it from the tap? Yes, it is from the tap. It's refreshing? Not, it is refreshing and good. <laughs> well, the, the reason way, I The ask, way our creator intended. <laughs> there you go. Is because Victoria's best tap mm. water has been named, and it is the little town of Myrtleford, where Gary Ablett once famously played footy. Gary Ablett Sr., I mean. Uh, it's been decided that that is the purest and best tasting water in Victoria, and they will now take on the best tasting and purest water around the country in the national competition. But my uh, attention was drawn by the Myrtleford mum, Amanda Robb, who was quoted in the article celebrating Myrtleford's win. And she said that it was good water news and, quote, it's amazing. It's by far the best tasting water. You can drink it straight out of the tap, which you can't do in many places around the country. We're pretty lucky. You don't have to buy water to drink like many other places where you have to spend so much money to drink the water. Now, I thought in Australia, in Melbourne, the tap water was pretty drinkable everywhere. I always thought that we were rated highly. Yeah. And, I, and I think the bottled water is just laziness or convenience. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because you, know, you haven't got a glass in your pocket to just, you know. You're on the way to the gym and you yeah. stop off at 7-Eleven. Absolutely. I, I have never, have you ever questioned... Drinking water from a tap in metropolitan Melbourne. The only time I've ever had issue with tap water was back in the early days in Adelaide when it tasted very dusty, uh, and Echuca, where they used to chlorinate the water. Um, but I've never had an issue in metropolitan Melbourne. 
as it turns out, we've discovered that some people do. Oh, well, I'm some people big, yeah. well, are being hyph over here. So Tim uh, is the hyphen, as some would know him. He presses the buttons for our program. Mm. And where do you live, Hyph? Port Melbourne. And what's the water situation at your place? I can't drink it out of the tap. At Port it's, Melbourne? It's very, it tastes very metally. Is it is it your building or is it? No, no. I've lived in three houses in Port Melbourne. I've never drunk out of the tap. Is but that right? you're drinking the same water as the rest of Melbourne, aren't you? Surely, probably. It probably comes from the same place, but it goes through different so parts of Melbourne to get there. You're saying that the water from the tap is very hard to drink. Yep, the water out of the tap is very hard to drink. Right? Sounds like you are trying to rip off Silverchair. <laughs> oh, that was a big build-up to display Silverchair again. Uh, but I'm now interested. Hyphen says a couple of suburbs from where we stand now, Moon Man, you can't drink the water. What about in your area? One triple three five three. Can you drink water from a tap mm. at your place around Melbourne? We know Victoria's best water is Myrtleford. Yep. Where is Melbourne's worst water? <laughs> at Hive's place. Yeah, they're clearly in Hive's <laughs> bathroom. One triple three five three. What's the water like at your place? Hit us up on Twitter at MMM Hot Breakfast. To Tony at Frankston. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Far away. Um, yeah, well, I'm from Frankston, and the water is very drinkable, but I've got a warning for everyone. Mm. Uh, a few years ago, I was very thirsty, and was in my front yard and decided to have a drink out of the front tap, oh. put my mouth straight over the oh. tap before turning it on, <laughs> mouth full of earwigs later. Oh. They were okay. nipping, they were nipping me, going down my throat, oh. and I was running around like an idiot. Oh, very bare grills. Not ideal. Yeah. So I'm very paranoid now. I always run the tap for a good 30 seconds before I even think about having it. A fairly good point. Hey, Tone, hang on the line. You've scored tickets to the Art of Banksy exhibition opening Friday, 7th of October at the Paddock at Federation Square. To Brian at Sydenham. Yeah, g'day, fellas. How are you? What's your water situation? Uh, well, I live in Sydney, and it's actually not too bad, but I've got an uncle that's lived in Rockbank for the last 25 years, and mm. I can't drink the water out of there, and that's between Caroline Springs and, and Melton, so there's a new estate going in there. What's I'm the... not sure where they get their water from, but it's a uh, very chlorine kind of taste. Oh, okay, you can taste a bit of chlorine. Mm. Yeah, I wonder where it is coming from. So we, we did a bit of a test here, because yeah. um, I, I tried the South Melbourne water, and uh, Hyfe said... You, you've drunk the filtered because we've got a filter on the tap here, so you've got to drink the tap water. And the tap water, I've got to say, is very metallic. Interesting. Mm. So thanks, Brian. We've learned that in Rock Bank. <laughs> All right, Denary Warren, let's take another caller. Jamie. How's it going, mate? Good, mate. Good. Where can you not drink the water? Oh, in estates in Clyde and Cranny and that. All these new estates, just letting people know them. When you move in, your water's going to taste horrible. Why yeah. is that? I think it's because of all the new piping and, I don't know, it just doesn't get there very clear. Right. There you go. So, in the new estates around Melbourne. <laughs> One more time. That's it. Okay. And our final caller to Daniel at Lang Warren. Where can't you drink the water? Uh, we have a holiday house in Phillip Island and I've got to tell you, mate, salty as... <laughs> Are you drinking straight from the sea, Daniel? Or? Uh, I, I am, and it's very disgusting. If you've ever been up there, you'll know. All right, right. Phillip Island, we add to the list with Rockbank and Clyde and some of the estates around uh, Cranbourne. Yeah. Moon Man, there you go.
because uh, I grew up in in Bayswater in the foothills of the Dandenongs, yep. and the water out there superb. It's very. I think it's coming, easy to drink. It is. It's coming right off the mountain from Sylvan. Yep. Or Cadinia, one of those. Mm. Very nice. Our eyes was caught by the real estate mm. pages where the Lower Plenty Mansion of one Mick Gatto is on the market. Three point eight million dollars. He uh, apparently bought it in two thousand and five for two point one million dollars. Uh, there is some suggestion that there might be. Uh, a codicil or a caveat over this land brought about by some other businessmen. <laughs> mm. Now, if I was in the market for uh, you know a secure premises in Lower Plenty, I would definitely be interested. First of all, because it f- ticks a couple of boxes for me too. <laughs> yeah. My favourite series of all time is The Sopranos. I'm in love with Tony Soprano. The idea that I'm living in a residence of a man associated with the underworld would thrill me. But there's one thing that would keep me awake at night, and that is the idea that the Colombian mafia may have taken a contract out on Nicada, <laughs> and that if they didn't have his updated address or know of the real estate movements in the <laughs> Melbourne community, <laughs> that the, you might just open the door one day. It's like I've gone for you. Yep, I've gone for you. <laughs> it's like no, no, you don't understand. Listen, um, there was this auction and <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> I'll get me S32 just to show you. Yeah, mate. Here's the Melways. You've taken a wrong turn. You want to go back to Carlton. I have been to the Shadow Ghetto. Now, what happened inside? Why? First of all, why were you invited? Well, it was for a story for Channel 9 News and it was around the time that Mick oh. was trying to get involved in boxing promotion. Right. So it wasn't for a sit down. <laughs> you hadn't threatened his turf <laughs> and he wanted No, like, I, I, get, I needed a favour. I <laughs> needed a favour. Can you do this? This man, Mr. Mooney, he's very rude to me. Yeah. <laughs> but Seb, you disrespect me. But you only come when you need something. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It was his daughter's wedding. No, it wasn't. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I went in there and uh, Mick was incredibly charming and, and very hospitable. Mm. But the first thing you did notice as you walked through this beautiful big front door, big wooden front door with the big heavy door handles and pushed it forward was as you walked through the main hallway to turn right into what was a sort of lounge kitchen area. So the, the atrium. Yes, in yes. the atrium, on the left-hand side, with the door open, was a room that looked like one of the most sophisticated CCTV systems you would typically see in a multi-level car park. How many screens? There would have been, without wanting to exaggerate, at least eight different screens showing different views of CCTV from around the property, most of them focusing on the fences. See. So you- I've got to say, that's great to have that system, but unless somebody's monitoring it, what's the point? Is there someone in there sitting there? Have you got a, you know, a Wilson car park attendant looking at all those screens? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I do know that when I was offered a cup of coffee uh, from his wonderful family, I was accepting that hospitality pretty quick smart. Yes. Yeah. You I'm not the only one who's been in there you too. You mind uh, your manners, don't you? You don't want to <laughs> no, offend. Absolutely. Um, uh, Martin King from A Current Affair mm. uh, famously went in there too and did a story that was very popular where he jumped in the Mick Gatto boxing ring, which sits at the back of the property and went a few rounds. I have kicked Martin King uh, fair and square in the head. What? Now, many people who have been chased by him on A Current Affair would like to have done that, but I... So Martin King is, yeah, the senior reporter at Current Affair, mm. little energetic fellow with, uh, silver, with hair. silver hair and uh, is often seen chasing bad guys around <laughs> Melbourne. Absolutely. And what, he chased you? No, he didn't. When I was working at the Nine Network on postcards... Um, you have to do helicopter underwater training. I'm sure ah, you've done it too. It's called Hewitt training. And this yes. is if you are in the 
Channel 9 chopper, or any helicopter for that matter, and it crashes and falls in water, you've got to be prepared to pull the seatbelt off and get out of the sinking chassis of the helicopter yes. before you drown. So uh, they put you in a, a simulated chassis and throw you into a swimming pool, and then they sink it, and uh, you've got to find where your belt is, find where your exit is, and get out. Yes. Uh I was making helicopter sounds as we went down. I wasn't taking it as seriously. As well. I was going, <laughs> and then as it starts to sink, I think I, I should have taken a deeper breath. So you, let's to paint the picture. You are sitting in a real chair. You've got a real seat belt on. There's four there's, of you in there. There's four of you in there, and it's sort of it's made of piping. This kind of mm. fake uh, helicopter cockpit, and they drop you in, and then all of a sudden. They flip it so yep. your head is closest to the bottom of the pool. That's right. And so your point of of reference is your buckle. So you put one hand on the buckle and then no, up to your right is your exit. Mm. So you don't undo your buckle until you've got your hand on the exit because that's your only reference. I hit the buckle because I want it out. <laughs> so I'm now floating around so a sinking early. cockpit. <laughs> I'm the panicked guy that makes everyone die. And so I'm floating around and can't find the exit. And as I'm thrashing around, I kick Martin King full-blooded right in the face. I come break the surface gasping. He breaks the surface kind of almost half conscious. And he goes, goes, someone kicked me in the face. And I just pointed at somebody else. I mean, I think it's Jamie Wilczek probably. (laughs) (laughs) Lawrence's family has gone away. I made my family disappear. This is Moon Man's Home Alone Tales. Postcards, won't you send me? So what I've been doing whilst my wife and child are away, I, I made a list of things that, the jobs that I haven't got done. Uh, which has been good because it's made me proactive. And uh, we had some hissing cisterns in our house. Was it a long list? Yeah, it is a long list. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that laughing? Uh, I'm missing a joke here at my own expense. I'm, I'm shocked that there would be a long list of jobs you haven't done. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is, Seb. And one of them was uh, to get the leaking cisterns fixed. because The what? The leaking cistern, you know, the cistern on the toilet where the water is held before you flush it. Uh, All right, idiot's guide to the bathroom. What part is the cistern? All right, you know, you sit on the toilet and you, <laughs> In you this do number you ones do, or yeah. twos. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or stand, you know, whatever you want. Well, the water tank behind the toilet right. is the cistern. Okay, okay, okay. All right. And ours were hissing so loudly that we had to turn the tap off at night because uh, they just they were leaking and hissing. Um, On the you know floor? What it, no, into the bowl. Oh, so it wasn't stopping. It was just yeah, continually just, yeah. water into the yeah. toilet. So right. loud, annoying, and a waste of water. So I got Ross the plumber over. Ross. Now, Ross has come to our place a couple of times. Uh, I enjoy his company. He's a man that I love to have a chat to. How old's he, Ross? Ross would probably be younger than me. So or, or maybe s- s- similar age, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe mid-40s. Yeah, mid-40s. And is Ross um, married? Is he... Yeah, Ross is married. Married, kids. Lives out in the eastern suburbs, couple of kids. Couple of kids, yep. And uh, and he, has been at the plumbing caper for... Yeah, he, he comes in, he does a great job. He explains right. to you what he's doing too, because uh, he knows that you're a hopeless man. Because I've got to go and, you know, pretend that I'm busy doing something. <laughs> and he knows that I'm just avoiding him. So... Uh, <laughs> He, he doesn't mind me standing and watching, you know, and feeling like half a man because I've got no skills. Um, so 
he uh, he's met my wife before. He said, you know, uh, so how's Lou going? And I said, uh, and I love the way he speaks too. Unpretentious, very Australian man. How's Lou going? I said, oh, she's overseas at, at the moment with Maggie. And he goes, oh yeah, so you're uh, you're home on your own, are you? And I said, yep. And he goes, don't tell the boys. <laughs> they they'll be around here. You'll be drinking every night. I was like, yep, I've uh, got that one down. And then he goes, so are you working hard? And I said, yeah, I am. I am working pretty hard at the moment, Ross. He goes, you know what? You shouldn't work too hard. Because ultimately, you're just working for the tax man, aren't you? What you've got to do is give yourself a week off. And just I, I just say to myself, sometimes I'm going to take a week off and just get the family and just go away. Otherwise, you're just working for the tax man, aren't you? And it's like, you're right, Ross. You He's are right, right. Except that your family doesn't want to go away with you. No, they want to go gone. away by themselves <laughs> to London. Yes. They've just taken off without me. That's You're wrong, Ross. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, sage advice from Ross. The thing is, too, I had a little bit of a conundrum. Yeah. Because uh, I always want to offer the, the tradie a hot beverage. Yes. When do you do that? Do you do it on arrival? Oh, good question. Halfway through the job or at the end of the job? And do you include a snack with that? Well, you know Ross quite well, so you probably have a few things to talk about. If it's a trader you've never met before, then you're kind of struggling for that initial conversation. So the offer of hospitality is probably the first thing you say after g'day. Would you like a cuppa? Yep. Right, but you want them to get on with the job. So it's about halfway through. If it's a long job, you go, well, you know, you look like you've been working hard. I'll offer you a cuppa now. You can make more than one offer, of course. Right. Yeah, you don't want to be seen too keen. It's like, you know, you might be sending a mixed message. <laughs> well, well, you want them to do a good job, though, as many of them do. We might have to take some calls on this a bit later. One triple three five three. if you've got any advice or at MMM Hot Breakfast, when do you make the offer of a little cuppa for somebody visiting your house? And what's your tradie snack of choice? Oh, that's a good one. What do yeah. you leave out? Yeah. <laughs> it's like something for Santa, isn't it? <laughs> Party pie and a sausage roll, I think. But... Uh, so I offered uh, Ross, just to finalise this, offered Ross a cup of coffee mm. and said he'd taken care of it before he got to my place. He'd uh, had a coffee in the van, so no coffee there. Uh, thanks, Ross, too, for uh, clearly listening to our program. If he's asking you yesterday whether you're in fact you're home alone. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, he's a Triple M listener. Tony at Keylor, when do you offer a tradie a drink? You, when they walk in the door, you say, would you like a cup or a drink of water or something to start them off? And you always offer again at the end of the job. Because if they're going to drive an hour between a job, maybe they need a drink or a toilet break for that matter. I like it. Tom, what do you do? Uh, Ricky by trade, but I still fireplaces was where I went. Magnificent, mate. Well, you've got tickets to the Amy Victoria Derby Day. Enjoy one of Australia's most prestigious days of horse racing, Saturday the 29th of October at Flemington. To Jason Nary Warren. How you going, boys? Really well. So uh, uh, when do you like to be offered your hot beverage, Jason? Uh, I reckon all three times. As right. soon as you rock up, uh, in the middle for smoko or lunch, and then yeah, when you when you're knocking off, you get a coffee and you walk out. Mm, and what's your snack of choice too, uh, if you were uh, to be offered something? Oh, it'd have to be some chocolate. Mm. Right. Yeah, good call. Chocolate. A couple of little Twix bars or something. <laughs> I like it, Chase. Uh, Johnny's at Airport West. How are we, boys? Exceptional, Johnny. You Sparky, mate? Yeah, I'm a Sparky. Very good. Um, I, I enjoy a cuppa when I first get there, and if I've got a bit of sweat coming down the forehead, maybe a cup of water or something. Right. Yeah, good call. Maybe even a beer later on on a Friday Arvo if it's a hot day. Well, a hot day on a Friday Arvo, cold beer wouldn't go astray. Does that happen, Johnny? Do you ever get offered a little quiet tinny from uh, the homeowner? Oh, of course, mate. On a Friday, you always get the beer coming out the beer fridge out of the garage. Oh, yeah. 
My dad and is... you give them a little bit of discount if they give you a beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we'll keep that in mind, Johnny. You get the disc- the, the old uh, the old al- aluminium tin discount, Moon Man. That's very good. Nash from Cranbourne, g'day. Oh, yeah, g'day, mate. When, uh, when do you like to be offered? Oh, like, whenever you're taking a break, really. Right. And, and uh, will, you, will you have a bit of a chat with the homeowner? Do you like oh, a bit of a always. chin wag, give a bit of advice? A bit of banter never goes missed. Hey, uh, Nash, before you go, where are you from? Cranbourne. We were told you couldn't drink the water in Cranbourne at some of the new estates. Do you know if that's true? Oh, I reckon that's a load of bull. Thank you. Thank you. I, I was a bit sceptical, but I appreciate Nash setting us straight. Well, uh, Hyphen, who pushes the buttons on this program, you've been running a poll on this at MMM Hot Breakfast. When you have a tradie overworking at your house, when do you offer them a coffee or a tea? What's the poll saying? So far, 49% before they start. Okay. Closely followed by halfway through, 46%. Right. right. And then that doesn't leave much for the when they finish. No. You're a bit no. of a stingy homeowner if you're waiting until the job is completely done before you reward somebody with yeah. a little bit of a tea bag and water in a cup. <laughs> and it also means that you might be hovering too. Yeah. I mean, have, yeah, have a chat on, then. Boys. Leave them alone. Yeah, let's yeah. get it done. I mean, yeah, leave them alone. Let them do their work. Have you got a sister, Moon Man? No, I haven't. You've got a brother, though, don't you? I've got two older brothers, so I'm the, the youngest of three. Do we you have a friend? We could have done with a sister. There was just two. The, the household was a little bit masculine. Right. Do you have a friendly relationship with your brothers? Yes, I do. Very, yeah. very close indeed. Yeah. Well, I read Wait, a, well, what's this line of questioning well, going? This is a family situation that I was staggered by when I read it yesterday. Now, Donald Trump, you would have to say, is a pretty unusual man to begin with. Mm. He's, and, a, he's a deeply weird man. <laughs> and the story of his son-in-law and his family, his son-in-law being Jared Kushner, is almost strange. Now, Jared Kushner is married to Donald's daughter, Ivanka. Mm. And Jared comes from a very wealthy Jewish New Jersey real estate family. And his dad, Charles Kushner, went to prison for avoiding paying his federal income tax. Right. And Donald has followed suit. (laughs) Well, yeah. So the reason Charles Kushner went to prison was because he was in charge of the family fortune Mm. and his siblings found out that he was making political donations out of the family fortune without telling them. And in the end, his sister was so outraged by this that she was prepared to work with authorities to she actually states. she turned state to actually try and send her brother to prison. Oh, she she sent her brother up the river. She turned states. This Charlie Kushner got wind of the fact that she was going to do this, mm-hmm. and so he paid a prostitute ten thousand dollars. Who hasn't to sleep with his sister's husband? Filmed it and then mailed the videotape to his sister and said, if you testify against me, I release this tape. Wow. I don't know how you get on with your brother, but I have two sisters and uh, I would (laughs) never even go close to thinking up something like that. Well, I love a a great plan well executed. (laughs) So it's like, okay, how am I going to get around this? Yep. Now, the sister obviously didn't want to destroy her husband's reputation or leave her husband Mm. after the fact that he'd slept with a prostitute. Yes. And so was quite happy to then pull back and not take the actions she was going to take. Well, in the end, she did take the actions she was going to take. Clearly, because the story's broken. Went to prison not only for tax evasion, but also witness tampering as a result of sending the blackmail video. And what happened to the, the marriage between the sister and the husband 
who was, you know, <laughs> who caught. Yeah, there's no, there's no excuses there. I believe they're still together, but we'll have to triple check that. But yes, that is the father of the son-in-law of Donald Trump. Wow. That is a fascinating story. I love that. We are joined in the studio by Australian comedy legend, Glenn Robbins. G'day, Glenn. Gee. (laughs) Okay, it's going well so far. I was excited. I'd never met you, Glenn, and I've watched all your shows from the panel to uh, Kath and Kim, of course, and it was uh, great to finally meet you. And how did you feel when we pressed flesh? uh, I was probably a bit shorter than you thought. Oh, no, no, you were certainly fitter. Is my head bigger than because because they my, I got a, you and I share fairly big heads don't we I got a sixty two centimetre head yeah That's I mean big. yeah we, we would be probably big in the forties if, if we were movie stars because mm. all the big movie stars had big heads yeah there's a theory on um, Entourage that you can't s- succeed without a big head yeah so sliced alone yeah Hollywood. Um, yeah, yeah can't, okay. you've got a massive head. Do I? Yeah. No, your thanks. head's not as big as yours, though. Yeah. Mine's even bigger again. <laughs> right. What size is your head? I've never. Have you measured your own head? Yeah. Well, you've got to measure it to get a, a hat. Oh, well, I haven't had it measured, but I haven't mm. written it down. I just know in photographs, in photographs, I get big head. Anyway, okay. um, <laughs> well, we digress. I, but the theory. I, 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 go on. The go theory on. stands because you've been very successful. You have, you know, uh, breathed air into some of the great comic characters of our time. Uncle Arthur, Kel Day. Who? Um, Kel Knight. Russell Coit. Kel Day Knight. <laughs> Kel Knight, rather. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Russell Coit. And, of course, now Wayne Wheeler, Series 3 yes. of Upper Middle Bogan. Yes. Um, how Thank does you. Wayne differ from all of those That's characters? That's a very good question because all of the other characters are a big step away from, from me. And that Wayne character is not a huge leap. So in some ways it's more of a challenge because when you've got, you know, a big character to play with big gestures and mm. big attitude, it, it gives you something to do. Wayne is not dissimilar. I was brought up uh, not far away from where we filmed that. Uh, we used to go to Calder to watch the races uh, right. with my brother. Um, uh, 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 so the way I play that character is I don't, I actually don't think to me, I just let the dialogue do the work and, and, and see what, and there's so much going on around me that I kind of surf the energy, so to speak. So I'm mm. not doing the, the character thing. So, so you he, do a little bit of nothing sometimes. I'm doing a whole lot of nothing and getting paid for it. Because there's this famous story from The Wild Geese, Richard Burton, um, I think Roger Moore mm. and... Uh, Another actor. Anyway, they were they had had this huge night. They were drunk. They're on this runway somewhere in Africa where it's being shot, and uh, Richard Burton turns to Roger Moore and he says, "What are you going to do in this scene?" He goes, "I'm going to do absolutely nothing." He goes, "Oh bugger, I was going to do." Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. If you, you, I often do play that card, I just go and I used. Sometimes I felt guilty, especially with Kath and Kim, because Kath and Kim Kel was Kel. Um, it's just a bit of a lisp. That's all he is. It's right. like that. Oh, but he's also, he's got his walk too. He's got his walk and he's got his attitude, but I don't do a lot. And people go, mm. you're hilarious. Do you think I'm not doing a lot? It's just me. You know? but, and Wayne, of course, is a family man. So he's kind of like yeah. that, that strong center of yeah. the family yeah. while all this maelstrom's going exactly. on Exactly. So he's the center of the storm, hopefully, mm. that, that, you know, he's the thing that they can latch onto and ground it all. But, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fun character. To, and, and it's interesting because it's that thing that Seinfeld once said, but I think George, George said, uh, Jerry said to George, I'm going to go to the laundromat mm. and will you come with me? And he goes, no, I don't want to come. He goes, no, be a come along guy. And that's what big families do. Yeah. They, 
they they always have a come along guy. There's always, you know. Do you know what the come along guy? Once you've surrendered to that role in life, isn't it a great role in life? I love it. Don't you love it? You go, you just give over all responsibility. Yes. Where we go, I don't mind. An adventure to anywhere is fun because I'm I've I've linked up with you. Mm. And, and, and st- good stuff happens. Yeah, Lulu will say to me, uh, we're going to Malvern Central. It's like, I'm coming. Oh, yeah. I'm coming along. She goes, yeah, you yeah. love the supermarket, don't you? I said, yes. Yeah, well, you do. Isles of joy. But if you had to go there, but if I had to go there for a reason, for like for Christmas shopping, hate it. Hate yeah. it. But, but if I'm going with you, if uh, you're, you said to me, I've got to find a screwdriver with a Phillips head that can, yeah. you know, fix up my buddy's own. I'll like, come. Oh, I'll come. Yeah. I'll come. Because I, I, I get to dick around in aisle three. Yeah. While... You know. And you will find something good because you're not looking for something mm. good. So, you know, that's my philosophy. I'm not be a come-along guy. And that's what happens in, 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 uh, in um, Upper Middle. Yeah. I have a come-along family. It's fantastic. And it's back tonight? 8.30 on the ABC. Come along to the National Broadcaster and watch Series 3 of Upper Middle Bogan. Absolutely. What, what more can we say? You guys, I, you guys, you should be a team on Family Feud, you two. <laughs> We should be. Father and son. I've been, <laughs> I've been mentoring Seb for a while. He's coming I'm, along, isn't he? You've got a good voice. I'm a better person because of it. Yeah. Uh, Glenn, it was fabulous to meet you. That was very yeah. exciting. Yeah, should we? Are we up to hugging stage? Because Lawrence and I hugged outside. We hugged outside. outside. Yeah. Was that, is that weird? Because do we normally hug when we meet? No. No. It, it did look a I'm bit I'm turning forced. into a hugging guy. Yeah. yeah. Come along with a hug. So next time I see you, hey. don't disappoint me, but don't press and linger. Yeah. We didn't A-frame. Our, you, our stomachs touched. Yeah. I mean, and you, I think our belt buckles touched too in that yeah. hug. It was and a weird... And then you spun me around and I won't say anymore. <laughs> Good to see you again, Glenn Robbins. Thanks, Thanks for coming guys. in. We started the program this morning discussing Sam Mitchell, who potentially could be in line for a Brownlow medal if Joe Watson has his medal taken away because overnight the Swiss Federal Tribunal rejected the last appeal for the Essendon Football Club. Well, Moonman, the name Sam Mitchell is going to be discussed at length today with a breaking story that he, he has discussed with Hawthorne a possible move to the West Coast Eagles. Well, that is a massive, massive piece of news. Uh, first of all, that that's a big move because you've got to uproot the family, off you go to West Coast. For how long? I mean, how long has Sam Mitchell got left? Well, and this is a man who is brown and gold like no other. He signed a one-year extension to be at Hawthorne until the end of 2017, just a few months ago. He's one of their most decorated players, four-time premiership star. He captained the 2008 premiership victory. He's just won his fifth Peter Crimmins medal as a five-time Hawthorne best and fairest. And to think that he would play for another side in his career is staggering. Where this is coming from at the moment Mm. is Triple M footies Damien Barrett and Jay Clark, who have both gone on Twitter this morning saying that Mitchell is being linked to the West Coast Eagles. So this is uh, mooted, not confirmed? No, oh, absolutely not. No, we're working on it off air to try and see if we can confirm exactly what's gone on. But So just, have you got a tweet there to read out? Yeah, well, Jay Clark uh, mentioned it just a few minutes ago on his Twitter account saying Sam Mitchell is saying he could be traded to West Coast over the next fortnight. And uh, do we know how how that trade deal is going to work? Who Who's coming 
who's going where from West Coast. Well, Hawthorne or? have got a situation where they have three big names presumably coming into their football club. They've done a deal with Ty Vickery from Richmond, and they're also very interested in Tom Mitchell from the Sydney Swans and also yep. in Jaeger O'Meara from the Gold Coast Suns. So to fit them all within their salary cap of a team that's already bursting with premiership calibre talent was always going to be a difficult thing. But to think that they would be pushing out and that Sam Mitchell would be open to exploring another football club uh, is just staggering. And I think that Hawthorne are probably the team that's responsible for the money ball type trading that's going on now. I think trade week has exploded because of Hawthorne's success with uh, players from other clubs. And we named a list of them, uh, Burgoyne, Guira, um, Gunston, Hale, Hale, uh, Lakey. James Frawley. uh, You know, they give blokes a second chance. Uh, get experience in there with a couple of seasons left, and it's you know had a, a result of four premierships in the last eight years. So there you go. Just being handed some information. Sorry, we'll hold on to that for a second. The Hawthorne Football Club has just tweeted, we will have more soon on the website from Sam Mitchell. Mitchell says, I'm a very happy footballer next year, whichever club that is. I've got no idea what happens from here, but I'm glad it is being explored. Sam Mitchell goes on saying, I am a bit excited, but if it all falls through, I'm happy to stay at Hawthorne. It's been a really respectful process. If the story is the three parties coming out of this with a win, then that is the real story. And the real story is probably there's only enough uh, room at this club for one Mitchell. Uh, If you're going for Tom Mitchell, I'm out. That's a direct quote from Sam Mitchell saying he's open to leaving Hawthorne as part of a trade. Joining us in the studio right now, he's currently starring in The Wrong Girl, but you know him from all sorts of TV and radio shows. Good morning, Ryan Shelton. Hey, guys. Uh, Starring is generous, by the way. I'm not starring (laughs) in it. I'm like, Mm. I feature every... I pop in 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 and out. Yeah. Uh, Special guest. Are you, the, are you the final Even credit? special is probably... <laughs> Do you get like it. in the hip-hop songs at the end, they'll have featuring somebody? That's F-E-A-T more like dot. A, yeah, yeah that's okay. It's Jess Murray featuring. Well, it's actually <laughs> Jess Murray fe- featuring a thousand people. <laughs> that's yeah. it. It's a yeah. guest verse. You're sort of like the Snoop Dogg. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's often what I've been compared to. <laughs> yeah, the Snoop Dogg. <laughs> so tell us, The Wrong Girl's sort of based on a sunrise, um, yeah. it's a Today Show kind of morning TV? Yeah, it's like, uh, I guess, the behind the scenes mm. of, of, yeah, Sunrise or today or one of those sorts the of breakfast bar the breakfast bar I love the name of the breakfast bar because yeah. it immediately suggests it's uh, a little bit crappy yeah and it's sort of like <laughs> the, you can tell they've named it the bar because it's like it's where people hang out it's like calling yeah. it the lounge or something mm. and you play uh, someone who's cheekily nicknamed Bernard the Cock yeah Bernard the <laughs> Cock surprisingly is not well liked <laughs> No, Bernard, when I saw that uh, I was auditioning for someone called Bernard the Cock, I wasn't sure if I wanted the part or not, because, you know, when you get the call asking to be that character, you wonder whether you're being typecast or not. So why is is Bernard so unfortunately nicknamed? What earns him his, his sobriquet? Well, I mean, as you'd expect from the name, he's a bit of a cock. He's just... Hasn't got a lot of friends, not very well liked, uh, unfortunately. But I think a bit annoying. A bit annoying. He's probably some, but he's actually, but he's actually quite successful. He's like a music journalist. He's actually done pretty well. So I think he'd be one of those people in high school that no one liked, mm. was annoying, but then has gone on to do well. So when people meet him from high school, they'll be like, 
oh, you've done well. Like annoyed, they'd be annoyed. And not happy well. about his not success. Happy, yeah. yeah, we're yeah. talking to Ryan Shelton, who is part of the Wrong Girl, uh, 8.30 on 10 and the Win Network. Mm. Uh, now, Ryan, while we were doing our research on the Wrong Girl, thank you. we discovered that our very own Lawrence Mooney here actually oh, yeah. auditioned for a role on the program. Oh. And was unsuccessful in ridiculous. claiming that role in the program. Well, this now, is a huge true mistake. or false, Moon Man. It, it, it is true, and so I want to know uh, which mole got the role. <laughs> okay, um, oh, God, so huge. now I I, I auditioned for a, a network executive. Oh, right. Uh, okay, not sleazy, but there's a little bit of suggestion of you know could be led down uh, yes. the wrong path. Yep, uh, takes. Uh, Jessica's character under his wing for a bit of mentoring says, you know, I really think you're doing great stuff. Yeah. Is he the, is it's not Craig, is it Craig McLaughlin's? No, role? it's not. He, right. he He's not on air, my right. character. He's more of a network executive. Yeah. I, I'm not actually sure who is that role. Cause I don't think that role has been on, right. on screen yet. Yeah. Maybe it comes a little bit later in the series. Has it potentially not been casted? Oh. And maybe Moon Man oh, maybe could the, still no. be in the running. It's no. still open. Up th- until you went on air today and no, said, th- which mole got my role? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the call's gone in. Anyway, you know. That, That's a real pity. You ha- would have killed. Have you ever, thank you very much, That's have you right. ever auditioned for something, somebody else has got the role and then you've just watched on hatefully? them destroy what should have been yours? Oh, I mean, I imagine most times. Right. Most times that would be <laughs> Has there been the one case. particular time? No, no. I mean, I don't really... I, I can't handle the pressure and stress of auditioning. Like I just never audition. Right. And I audition for this because they asked me to, but I'm just not in that world normally. I'm not really in the acting world. So I don't really, like, okay. I, I don't, so, I so you wait till it. the phone rings and it's like, Ryan, we want you for this. Yeah. Ryan the yeah. cock. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You um, are quite successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's just—it's the pressure of I hate an audition. I just hate that. I mean, no one likes it. It's not fun. But do you you harbour a grudge, Moon Man, when you may have missed? Oh, not really. I mean, you know, I harbour—I can keep a grudge alive like anybody else. But uh, there's other stuff going on in my life. (laughs) Yeah, I just love (laughs) seeing. I'm not plotting revenge. (laughs) I mean, in this business, you're going to be shown the door. Yes. Sooner or later. True, yeah, true. And you know that more that's often coming. Than not. Yeah, more often than not. <laughs> and so you go through it. You know, if you if you had a list, mm. it'd go on forever. Yeah. That's why there's no locks on the radio station doors because it's like people are coming in and out all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, mate, good luck with it. The Wrong Girl, 840 Channel 10. Ryan Shelton, fantastic to see you. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Big football story developing around Sam Mitchell, the Hawthorne Football Club, and a potential move out to the West Coast Eagles. Broken by Damo on NAB Trade Radio earlier this morning. Damien Barrett joins us now. Well, mate, bring us up to speed. What's happened? Yeah, extraordinary, uh, Seb, isn't it? What's, uh, what's gone down today? Mm. The, the five-time best and fairest winner of the Hawthorne Footy Club and, and a man who probably sits very comfortably amongst the top four or five players to ever play for that great and, and mighty football club has now got his head around playing for the West Coast Eagles in 2017 extraordinarily. And uh, beyond that, there will be a, a coaching uh, career for Sam Mitchell at that footy club. But it's moved really quickly. As we know, he signed a, a one-year add-on to his contract uh, during the course of 2016. But what I've learned this morning, guys, is that uh, after the Round 22 game, West Coast versus Hawthorne there in Perth, that there was some uh, some ramping up of conversations around Sam Mitchell joining that footy club. Initially, uh, 
even was put to me, it was more about him being an assistant coach beyond him playing at Hawthorne for 2017. But clearly between that round 22 period and basically the last 24 hours, so the conversation has not just been about a coaching career at the Eagles, but a playing one as well, and, and one that is now in train to have him playing in the West Coast Eagles jumper in round one, 2017. Well, that makes a lot of sense considering the big upheaval of moving your family to the West, that it's going to be more than just a playing contract. Uh, the, the coaching contract makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, that, that's what I, uh, I think we're all led to believe initially, Lawrence, that it, that it was just going to be coaching. But the, the playing component to it's extraordinary. And, and to me, it was only five, four or five days ago where he was crowned as you know, a fifth-time winner of the Peter Crimmins medal there at the Hawthorne mm. Footy Club. And... There's no greater CV than the one that, uh, that Sam Mitchell's got when it comes to, to being a, a four-time premiership player, five-time best and fairest winner. And now here we are um, upon a week and a half after the grand final of 2016. He is going to be uh, leaving that footy club. There's a squeeze, obviously, uh, guys, isn't there, with their, their midfielders, their older players, who they all agreed to re-sign this year on less money. And then they've got the uh, undertaking to bring in Tom Mitchell and Jager O'Meara. All these things have uh, been put into the, the mixing pot. And Sam himself is saying that Alistair Clarkson is, is totally behind it. And again, I take everyone at, at face value, but I, I don't feel it's been something that has been initiated by the Hawks. I feel it has been initiated by the Eagles getting into, into Sam Mitchell's head. But again, all this will play out, the intricacies of it and the, the, the details around it and the, and the levels of and layers of detail around it will all play out in the coming hours and, and days. But right now, it, it's an extraordinary situation to think that Sam Mitchell has played his last game for Hawthorne Footy Club. And, and not mm. just that, we'll be playing for another football club across the other side of the country next year. And has this only just come about, Damo, or has there been a couple of conversations behind the scenes that we didn't know about over the past week or so? Yeah, look, Sam, look, it was mooted uh, in, in, in a roundabout way uh, on Perth Media last night, but there was many questions, I think, as, as answers about that. And then just when uh, you get on the phone this morning, you, just every call you, you, you make on it, you realise there was something more to it. And, and it was only um, yeah, moments before we were able to you know, confirm and, and then go with the fact that he was going to be leaving Hawthorne. It was just uh, it was quite, quite alarming as to how quickly the information came and, and as to how much detail must have already been planned. It's, it's been a really private one, a quiet one. And again, Hawthorne Footy Club, they, they don't have these situations play out uh, this way. Now, they will tell us, and they'll put out a statement soon, I'm very sure, saying that they're very happy for Sam and and that they were well aware of it in certain um, spaces within that footy club. But it's highly unusual to have a, a player as decorated and, and admired as Sam is to, to re-sign to the footy club amongst mid, a lot of publicity, wasn't it, during the year. We recall the, you know, the debate around who was going to be re- re-signed out of those, that ageing quartet. Mm. And then so he was the first one to go down that, that re-signing pass. So you then go back to that moment, you then get to today, and it just still seems strange and, and even uncomfortable to be reporting that Sam Mitchell won't be playing for the Hawthorne Footy Club again. Yeah, you expect a player like that to be a one Guernsey player all of his career. Is it maybe something to do with you know um, the affection that the club have for Sam or the way that he fits into that player's group? Because there's always been talk that you know he's very much a an individual amongst that team. Yeah, I think it's a really uh, good question, Lawrence, and, and and one that I know what you're referring to. He is his own man. He he is not your uh, 
And again, I don't want to cast aspersions on him or anyone else. I want to say no. he's not your stereotypical footballer. He's not absolutely consumed and obsessed by by that club nor the people around him. He he is someone though who will be for them again to use the footy uh, vernacular in the trenches when 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 the time comes, which for him is every single weekend when he runs out. Mm. But they know he's going to be there, and and he knows they're going to be there for him. But you're right, he does have a, a different relationship with the people around him. And I say different, different to what other players at that footy club have and different to what other footballers at other clubs do have. He's always been his own man. I've always, for what it's worth, really admired how he's been prepared to be his own man. He's never worried about what people have said about him being different. And uh, I, I reckon it's been one of the great qualities. He's been a, a driven man from the day he got rejected mm. uh, initially in the AFL system and just fought and fought and fought to the point he... He became one of the, uh, the all-time greats, not just of that footy club, but um, but of the AFL. And interestingly enough today, too, we could well be talking about Sam Mitchell for, for totally different reasons to the ones we are right now, given the uh, the Joe Watson situation on the uh, 2012 yeah. Brownlow medal. But given the events of today relating to Sam Mitchell, I think the uh, the Brownlow of that year and probably is something that's become uh, a little bit secondary right now. Busy day for Sam Mitchell. Busy day for you too, Damo. Well done on breaking that story of Sam Mitchell's potential move to the West Coast Eagles, and thanks for jumping on the phone for us too. Thanks, Seb. Thanks, Lawrence. Now, uh, Seb, you lost your keys yesterday, your car keys. Have they been returned to you? Have you found them yet? How did you hear about this? Well, I heard via the grapevine that you were looking for your car keys. Yeah. Uh, Has anyone seen my car keys? They were found on a stretch of coast down uh, to the west of Melbourne. Where... where, (laughs) Hold on. Where were they found? <laughs> they were this found is sounds... No, there was a... Are you disposing a... of something down there? What were you doing? <laughs> no, Throwing it was remains a, a, into the water? A beach down, down near... What beach? Yeah. <laughs> was a... Oh, we did this story on Campbell Cove. Did you go down there? I went down to... A nudist beach. A nudist beach. Oh, right. Okay, <laughs> so you've... We were talking about Campbell Cove being the new Gold Coast yesterday on the show. Yep. Uh, down Werribee Way. Yep. Uh, Point Cook and... Somebody texted us or tweeted us and said, it's a nudist beach. And all of a sudden, you're down there and you've lost your keys down there. <laughs> well, did, did you leave them in the bushes? With you, a... you don't know embarrassment quite like oh, when somebody I've left, I've picks left me keys your next to me box of tissues. <laughs> now, that is not what happened. I'll tell you the full story tomorrow. We'll have Jimmy Bartell on the show too, the great Brownlow medalist. Uh, and just as we go, Sam Mitchell has spoken publicly about his potential trade to the West Coast Eagles. Here's what he had to say. Uh, I guess the way we the way we look at it is that it's a could be a win for Hawthorne and help, help to free up some salary cap stuff and uh, not have to move on all the guys that are being talked about at the moment. And I think uh, hopefully I can go over and help West Coast if that's what happens. And whichever way it goes, I'll be, uh, I'll be a very happy footballer next year, yeah. at whichever club that's at. Pretty selfless there from Sammy Mitchell, talking yeah. on SEN a bit earlier. Talking about uh, leaving uh, some salary cap room, which means I'm getting, being paid a fortune. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be able to pick up three players for what I'm worth. <laughs> well, good luck to him. Across Melbourne. This is Breakfast with Seb Costello and Lawrence Mooney on Triple M. Triple M rocks Melbourne.